0: This is cmru.ca by students for you. And you're listening to the Indigenous Hour. With your DJ, Yosef. The music of Canada's First People. It's the Indigenous Hour.
1: I feel like Seishine. Business trips to Hollywood, I don't do no vacation. When the drop go platinum I may hit the hesitation. Anyone who doubted, I don't live
2: with the blazes.
1: Hey, 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 welcome to a podcast of the Indigenous Hour with Joseph Sampson. This is a half hour collection of what I view as the peak and best moments of my four week show. Please enjoy this as much as I did. Up first for you, we have a interview that I had with my close friend, Alyssa Hassett, who came into the show and told us about her acting career. Please enjoy this interview. I'm here with a special guest, a close friend of mine by the name of Alyssa Hassett. How you doing, Alyssa?
2: Pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm
1: doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, so tell us a bit about yourself, Alyssa. What do you do?
2: Uh, well, for work, I am an actress. In, an actress. That's,
1: that's impressive. Impressive. Yes. Impressive. Where do you act?
2: Um, right now, I act on television in TV dramas.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. What got you into acting, mostly?
2: Um, well, when I was a kid, I was actually really, really shy. So in an effort to get over my shyness, I wanted to audition for the school play to kind of challenge me. And once I did that, I kind of really found a love for acting on the stage there, and I decided I wanted to pursue it.
1: Ah, uh, so it's been like a lifelong, like, passion of yours. Yes, it has. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. If you could be in like any production, what would you be in?
2: Um, I would love to be in Criminal Minds because that's my favorite TV show.
1: Why Criminal Minds in specific?
2: Um, I don't know. I just really like it. Unfortunately, the show was canceled, so that's not possible to be on. But you know,
1: indeed, yeah. indeed it is. Indeed it is. Unfortunately, it is a good show. It is a good show. Yes, it is. It is a good show. Did you have any like people inspire you to act, or is it just like you came across it and you loved it?
2: Um, Well, I did come across it, and I loved it, but a hero of mine has always been Audrey Hepburn.
1: Who is?
2: (laughs) A famous actress and humanitarian from the 1900s.
1: Ah, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. What about her really made you inspire her?
2: Um, Honestly, I was inspired by her before I got into acting because of all of her humanitarian work um, with... Uh, UNICEF and the work she did helping the French or no, the Dutch resistance in the Second World War. But then as I got into acting, I learned more about her acting in famous shows like Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I just fell in love with the way she performed. So honestly,
1: amazing! Amazing. Is there anyone else up there that you'd put in that like really inspired you to, or is it just like her and her alone?
2: um it's pretty much her and her alone obviously there's many great actors and actresses out there um but audrey hepburn has always been my number one inspiration
1: ah uh, i see i see i see i see anything recent you've been working on the to tell us about or
2: um not that i can tell you about but <laughs> um my past shows that i can tell you about is my first tv show that i was on was heartland on cbc and then A Teacher on FX and Hulu, and then Joe Pickett, and then Rent-A-Groom for Hallmark.
1: A Hallmark film? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah.
2: Interesting, interesting, interesting,
1: interesting. Have you met any, like, you know, really famous actors in the past couple years, you know what I'm saying?
2: Um, Yeah, decently. On A Teacher, I worked with Kate Mara, who's Oscar-nominated, and she is an amazing actress. On A Teacher, I also worked with Nick Robinson, who's also an incredible actor, very professional, Um, and a couple others on my recent projects that I can't talk about at this moment.
1: I see. I see. Secretive indeed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you mostly film here in, like, lower Alberta, or is it, like, an international thing, a Canadian thing? What's the? How is it?
2: Um, decently. It started more local because when I first got on television, I was in high school, so I had to, like, stay around here because I couldn't drive. Um, But I am in the Canadian Actors Union Actra, so I can go anywhere in Canada, and if I did book an international film, it could be arranged for me to fly to different countries and film that.
1: Have you filmed in, in any other countries?
2: No, I have not not Um, yet
1: so like i'm assuming the furthest you've been is like toronto vancouver ish probably yes uh if you had the opportunity though would you you know take fly out where
2: absolutely i mean i think that's a great experience you get to travel and work at the same time that's cool
1: and you were specific in mind
2: um, well, somewhere I've always wanted to travel to is definitely Greece. I don't know. It seems so pretty. I just really want to go there. So that'd be really cool to film a movie there. So I would get flown there for free. <laughs>
1: have you been to Europe? Like,
2: Yes, I have been to Europe. <laughs> oh,
1: where have you been? Where have you been?
2: Um, well, I have a lot of family in Ireland, so I've gone to visit them. I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to France. I've been to Belgium. I've been to England. I've been all over. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. wow! Traveling a lot. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, was like Hollywood not the move? Were you more into like the European scene, or like what's happening there?
2: <laughs> um, well, most of the acting business is definitely done um, in either Hollywood or Vancouver, so it is definitely more local.
1: Ah, uh, I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So, as of right now, from like what you can tell us, of course. What would you say has been like the biggest achievement, like the biggest film you've been in? You know what I'm saying?
2: Um, well, as far as biggest film, I honestly don't know what the ratings, but my biggest achievement personally and for myself was Rent-A-Groom for Hallmark. Because that was my first role where I was part of the main cast and had a character that I could really um, bring to life and make my own. And I really loved working on that film.
1: Mm. Are there any other characters that have, you know, really stuck with you?
2: Um, I mean, all of them in their own way, even as like small roles. I mean, on a teacher, when I played this very small role, it was an SOC character. Her name is Diana. Um, that was just really fun experience. It was when I was younger, kind of learning the ins and outs of the acting industry. And I mean, it always sticks with you in a way, every role.
1: Nice, nice, nice. So moving on from acting, what else do you do? Any other passions you have?
2: Uh, well, I'm currently enrolled at Mount Royal University for journalism.
1: Ooh, why journalism is specific?
2: Um, I've always had a passion for writing and have been good at it. So I wanted to get a degree in something that would allow me to use my talents like that.
1: Ah, I see, I see, I see. So you're gonna be like a journalist and an actor in your future, is that what you're thinking?
2: maybe i'm not sure i just knew that i did want to get a university education from a young age i always knew that i wanted to go to university so even if i have a steady career in acting i still very much value education and wanted to go into that so i don't really know what my future holds for me but who knows i'm excited
1: nice 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 okay okay okay. any hobbies you have in specific or yeah
2: Um, I don't have too much time for hobbies between school and acting. Understandable. Yeah, (laughs) not at the moment.
1: Okay, 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 okay. Before I see you off, any like bucket list things you've wanted to do?
2: Bucket list things I've always wanted to do. You know what? I'm scared of heights, but I wouldn't mind going skydiving just once.
1: Skydiving. Wow, that's a big one. That's a big one.
2: Yeah, it seems kind of scary. But like just once in my life, just to say I did it, you know?
1: Eh, Fair enough, fair enough, (laughs) fair enough any other fears you want to tell us about or you want to keep those a bit secretive
2: um i i think i'll keep those secretive i i am not gonna let you know my fears joseph
1: that's fair that's fair that's fair yeah and with that i'm gonna have to sadly bid you adieu Alyssa. Yes, it has been, very sad. it has been great talking to you thank you very much up next for you what i have is uh, a little you know minute or two of me just talking about the legendary buffy saint marie and her legacy and what she's done to really been innovative and push past all that's been thrown against her. Uh, It was a great talk in my opinion. I loved it a lot, so I hope you do too. Born in 1941 out of a reserve in Saskatchewan, Buffy St. Marie has gone down as one of, if not the greatest indigenous singer in all of Canadian history. It's been a while since we've seen actually Buffy St. Marie release an album, or any new songs actually. 2017 was her last release, I believe. But even to this day though her songs still like, get awards from like back in the 80s and in like the 60s it's really crazy. She really did, yeah, she really is still as popular as she was back then. But even considering that there was a point in time where Buffy wasn't seen as, in such a good light as she was before. Back in the 50s when the Vietnam War was still happening and Buffy was in her 20s, she was releasing protest songs against the war and it was not taken very well to the point where she was blacklisted on several and i mean several and multiple american radio shows and she was not played at all like in, in north america but like even while being blacklisted by the government itself uh buffy still like released songs that were hits and like she was covered by Elvis presley Barbara Strandsad, Courtney Love, and even like Morsi And it's kind of crazy how she had these great, like, famous and like phenomenal singers cover her songs, even though she was blacklisted, finding a way to, you know, get past what people wanted her to do and stay silent and really making a voice for herself. And knowing her accomplishments and knowing how great she is and popular she is, it might not come as a shock that she was the first ever Indigenous woman to ever win an Academy Award, which just goes to show how like innovative she was and how much ahead of her, ahead of her time she was. Because even nowadays, it's not that often you see Indigenous people winning Academy Awards and she like won them, not to mention she has countless Junos. She even had like a spot on Sesame Street where she and like Big Bird would like talk like all the time. It was yes, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. So up next, uh, I'm throwing a little warning in right now that we're talking about little dark, grim topics. So if you want to skip that, sure. I'm leaving in the warning that I had originally in there, too. Um, so you just hear it twice to make sure you actually into- you're actually paying attention hearing it. But i um, uh, talking about the residential school specifically more about what was found on May 28th, 2021 and the unmarked gravesite. Uh, it is not the lightest topic. It's very saddening. So if you don't like that kind of stuff, I'd advise you to skip forward in the show. A little bit of a warning here. Uh, we're going to be talking about residential schools and the children in specific so if you don't want to hear anything too dark i'd advise you to probably tune in a little bit later thank you very much now where do i start with this on may twenty eighth, 2021 two like uh, just over 200 unmarked burial sites in can loops were found of children's bodies in residential sc- from residential schools was a real real blow to the moral of Canada, uh, we're known for being, you know, very wholesome, being very hospital, being very nice. And it really is a dark, dark, dark chapter in our lives. And it's, it's really sad to bring up, but it really has to be talked about. We have to bring justice to this, right? We have to acknowledge what happened. We can't be ignoring it. Um, uh, these schools were absolutely horrendous. Uh, children were forcibly taken from their homes, of course, by RCMP. And... Um, like countless kids over generations and generations were uh stripped of their culture stripped of their livelihood their parents their family they were taught like immoral things and it just it's truly truly like disheartening and it really hurts everyone you know what I'm saying like it's, it's these are kids you know what I'm saying like like imagine your child or your your baby cousin imagine if he was taken from your family right and then he was taught like what they were taught, how like to talk like that like the white way was the right way, and like that where they're from, they're going straight to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, like those kind of things. Like that like is truly, truly like it's messed up. It's messed up. Um and. Just like the numbers themselves are like truly just like they're 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 horrible. Um, the thing that says like roughly 90 to 100 percent of all kids suffered either physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Keep in mind these were churches these, these these kids were being taken care of by priests and nuns and they were facing sexual abuse like not to mention emotional and physical abuse but still like it is like these children were like literally like abuse abused like to extreme points like most people can't even like physically imagine how bad it was you know what I'm saying kids die- we had no idea how like deadly it was that too like um, we thought we knew like, just like how dangerous it was and how many kids died but with these unmarked graves showing up and like the audacity these people have just to throw kids' bodies and not even mark the graves compared to like the other ones that they marked it just it's it's I, I can't it's just so like it's it's so emotionally wrenching you know what I'm saying um, and then to make it worse if like the two hundred unmarked graves were it from May, from May this year weren't enough literally weeks later in June I believe in Saskatchewan they found another school that had. Seven hundred and fifty-one. As, literally, like almost three quarters of a thousand, almost a thousand bodies, of children. Like, that's incomprehensible. You know what I'm saying? Like that is. It's literal genocide. It's literal genocide. It's cultural genocide, but also actual genocide. That mean like It, it is. It's 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 hard. It's hard. It's hard, and to make it even worse, even worse. We had these things open until 1996. I know people who were alive in 1996. And think that there were kids in residential schools still. And we look back saying, oh, no, this was like, is it passing? It wasn't a passing. Literally, like, less than 30 years ago. Less than, it was like 20, what, that's like 25 years ago? That's 25 years ago, kids were being taken from their families still kids were being thrown into schools and indoctrinated in our kind, in this nation, a nation known for being proud to have immigrants, a nation known for being hospitable, a nation known to be a bastion of freedom, and a nation known to be welcoming and take in anyone from anywhere. But when it comes to our own people that were here before us, we throw them aside and disregard them. And lasting effects from that are still visible to this day. Indigenous people are disproportionately In more poverty compared to other people of other races and people of other uh, stat, people of of, of other situations, and it's and we a lot of times we look at it like that's how is how it is, but that's like it it was a situation situation caused to them. They weren't they didn't choose that path. They these were great. These people had a lifestyle, and it was stripped from them and their children. And now, like a lot of them have lost their way, and a lot of them disconnected, and it just hurts. Like I'm an immigrant, right? And I if It really, for anyone else who's also like, you know, they have connections or their country of origin, right? Imagine if, like, you, imagine if you didn't have that. Imagine if, if, like, if that was stripped from you when you were a kid. That'd be, like, that'd be, it'd be be mentally jarring. It'd be, you, it'd it'd be wrong. It'd be, it'd be it'd be immoral, racist, blatantly racist. And that's what happened in this nation. Sorry for how aggressive I came off there, but it is a very, very touchy subject. Um, And I just really, we we really need to talk about it more. And yeah, it is just, it's just generations and generations of people were stolen and they were indoctrinated. And it is truly, truly disheartening. But things are getting better. According to a 2008 study, two-thirds of Canadians, that is 19.8 million of us, two-thirds of Canadians strongly believe that Canadians with no experience in Indian residential schools have a role to play in reconciliation between indigenous peoples and all of Canada. That is a milestone. That is something, even though this was almost, this was 2008. That's like, I was a while back. That was, I was a while back. I would have been in Lincoln kindergarten at the time, you know, but like, yeah, Still, it is it's great to hear that there are people in Canada. there is a large majority of Canadians who believe that this is something that needs to be fixed, talked about, and really reconciled. Up next for you, what I have in store is uh, on more of the same note. It's not really a more positive note, but we will get to a more positive note after this. But on much of a much of the same note, we have a talk about a, a conversation I had myself about Jai Wolf and her experiences through life, her struggles, etc. Um, also talking about the 50 scoop and more about that relationship we have and that debt we owe to the indigenous people. Lai Wolf is a singer actress who literally has actually been through hell and back. Uh, her music stands as a testament to her struggles, the struggles of her, of her, deck, like her ancestors and like her also direct family as well. Um, when she was born, she was not raised by her actual birth mother and father. Uh, she was snatched up and she was raised by a sort of Christian doomsday cult, uh, right? And she was guilt-tripped, she was indoctrinated, and it was really, really an oppressive time of her, of, like, her life. And she really speaks of it, like uh, like, she, she speaks of it a lot. But yeah, and, and she like struggled a lot through it Um when July left home after realizing that her personal beliefs and her like mental state was worth more than what her fake family was because she realized they weren't actually because she knew they weren't actually her family family. Um, she left with her partner, her partner at the time and uh, they went to the city, had a life, right? They unfortunately parted ways and I'm going different ways, but it helps. J.L.I. Wolf to really make her way into the music industry, gave her a lot of confidence, and she came out with some absolute bangers. She has an angelic voice, right? Um, she's made several songs. Uh, the uh, ones I played on my show were to, uh, specifically Hush and Child of the Government. Uh, Hush was uh, mostly about uh, her actual, like, experiences. It was meant to be about her struggles. And... Um, the way how her and how we how her family she grew up with wasn't accepting of her uh, sexual orientation, but also just like her ideologies and her personal beliefs. And it was a very oppressive, toxic and abusive relationship. Um, after that, I believe I played right after it was Child of Government. Child of Government, which I played like two weeks back, was about the sixties scoop, which was literally uh, when indigenous kids in the sixties were scooped up for their scooped up from their homes and thrown thrown school school sco- sorry they were scooped up from their homes by the catholic and canadian government uh, the catholic church and canadian government and were thrown uh, into foster homes all over the country right uh, so similar to residential so it was during the resident, residential school time period but they weren't throwing them into schools per se they're just throwing them into foster families this is what th- this practice which happened up until the 90s was what caught uh Jaylee Wolf and that's why she was raised in a different family than her actual parents. Fortunately though, after some searching and after finding herself and looking out for her and looking out looking out for her family, she found them eventually and her her father and her biological mother have been reconnected. But like at the same time, she speaks of how this is fortunate for her, but many and I mean many indigenous people go put in the same amount of hours she put in to find their family. They put in this even more work than her and they are Unsuccessful finding them, you know what I'm saying, Uh, and it's just it just goes to show what we've done to like these people, right, and like how inconsiderate uh, we were as a nation. And I understand a lot of a lot of people listening to this, uh, because like of course this is in Canada, right? A lot of people listening in Canada might say, "Oh, but I just moved here. What does have to do with me?" And that's fair, right? But at the same time. Once you take that oath, you are now a Canadian citizen. I personally am an immigrant as well. Right. Um, but once you take the oath, you are a Canadian citizen. And th- by that means you take on the burden and the responsibility that uh, the burden, and responsibility and the consequences specifically of actions done by this nation previously. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's why this is, it just goes to show more as to why we need to have more conversations and really need to look at what we did because a lot of people only think that we we only think that residential schools were the only thing that we did to these to these people, but we did so many more things. And even then, a lot of people overlook residential schools and how bad they were, right? So like it just goes to show how much we really, really, really need to actually look at our history and know what and know what this nation did and really try to actually seriously, cough, cough, talk. And New Justin Trudeau seriously, actually try to you know reprimand that relationship we had with them, not make holidays and then fly to Mexico and chill there. Up next to change the pace from the past two depressive segments, uh, from the Iniskim Center, I had Dion Simon, the medicine trail coordinator of uh, here on the show to talk about a mural he made up at Westgate of a buffalo and a mountain range. Truly beautiful, again, if you have time, Go look at it. We were talking about the we were talking about the mural. But afterwards, we uh, I allowed him to talk about uh, Canadian society as a whole and how we trying to go through reconciliation and such. And it really was a great conversation. Uh, please get a listen. Thank you very much. Yes,
0: I am doing very well today. Thank you.
1: That is amazing, amazing. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself to begin with?
0: Yes, absolutely. I am uh, uh, well. I'm originally Plains Cree from the Muskogee's Erminskin uh, Treaty Six Nation and uh, born and raised Plains Cree. My mother is a Cree woman, and my late father is from the Pakani Nation. So I do have uh, some blood relatives uh, here in the Southern Alberta parts. And um, I, I, it's, it's an honor to be here on the, tre- on the traditional lands of the Nitsitapi uh, peoples. And um, I've been in these areas for the last uh, two decades and uh, met my wife here, Francesca Simon, who is the administrator for the Wellness Center. And have been the Medicine Trail Coordinator of the Uniscom Center for the last ten years, and uh, January 3rd will be my ten-year anniversary.
1: Okay. Okay. If I, if I remember correctly, Treaty Six is it just north of Treaty Seven territory.
0: Yes, that is correct.
1: Nice. Okay. Um, so, as of recent, I've heard that you've made a mural of sorts about by Westgate.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. I was um, I was commissioned to do a mural in that area, which is. Uh, just uh before you exit the west gate on the right hand side uh, uh right by the uh, security wall and uh commissioned to do a mural there uh to represent one uh how we how we're looking at indigenizing mount real university and the campus and two something that uh that the that that the pasture buyers could 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 look at and uh receive some some inspiration um uh, and some um, uh, just to feel that, uh, that 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 tranquility and that welcoming uh, here in campus.
1: <coughs> nice, nice, nice. So, um, what inspired you to do to depict what you depicted in your mural?
0: Well, we we often see that uh, in these traditional areas, uh, Treaty Seven territory, uh, the buffalo is is symbolized and. Um, Uh, adorned uh, in in many traditional ways and the Blackfoot uh, have followed the the path of the Buffalo for for many many years and so here we look at the Buffalo as the modern education and um, uh, and so we look at we look to the Buffalo uh, for a source of survival uh, food uh, sustenance and as well for our Uh, characteristics to become uh, to find that strength that wisdom in in our journey in our path and so my illustration of the buffalo combines of two imageries which is a mountain scenery and uh, that creates the form and the outline of a buffalo and so together we see the silhouette of a buffalo and the mountain Represent that, uh, to represent that journey, that walk that we do have uh, here on um, here in Mount Royal campus. That's,
1: that, 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 that's amazing. Um, of course, if you have time and you don't typically walk by Eastgate, please do take the time to talk about Eastgate, oh, sorry, Westgate, my apologies. Westgate, take a look at it. It is, uh, it, it's great. Um, now, I have another question for you, uh, Dion. Uh, so working, uh, not working, sorry. Uh, ca- uh being of uh, aboriginal descent right um of course I, uh, I i'm not right so i feel like whenever I t- whenever i speak of these issues i don't have that connection right so if, is there anything you'd like to say just about, like what's been happening recently like the reconciliation projects etc just like in general about like that sort of way of life
0: uh yes um well today we're looking at um you know uh, 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 as we, as we move into the year 2022 Uh, uh, Canada is, um, we've come out of a history where we're looking at uh, uh, earlier relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples. And in the last, the last uh, 16 years, uh, we've been, we've been looking at um, understanding the, the, the atrocities of colonization, assimilation. We've been looking at the impacts of, the, um, of, of just the, uh, uh, the, uh, the cultural landscape, the indigenous cultural landscape being changed over the last number of years. And I, I want to share that in the last, that really in about the last seven years, we've been looking at the truth, the truth of what Canada and the residential schools uh, have created, looking at the truth that the impacts of the residential schools uh, had on our people, um, looking at the truth of those, uh, intergenerational, um, uh, traumas that have come out of the residential schools and that have played a role in society, in schools, in education, uh, in the health, uh, in the healthcare systems, in the judicial systems. Uh, and so we're looking at, we're looking at sharing our truth, our stories, uh, with uh, with uh, non-Indigenous peoples, <coughs> uh, old or new to Canada. And so we're looking at how do we come together as, as a people of Canada and moving forward with the idea of reconciliation, uh, really moving towards uh, the betterment of society, the betterment of our communities, the betterment of uh, as, as uh, groups and individuals. And so today, w- what we're looking at is that how do we come to an understanding? How do we sit? How do we share? How do we listen? How do we come f- speaking from the heart and moving ahead with our with our with our minds and our bodies and coming together as a unity in spirit? And so we're, we're looking at um, <clears throat> uh, what does that look like in, in, in the next uh, few years to come?
1: Ah, well, well, thank you. That was said elegantly uh, better than I, what I could say. Um, uh, on a final note, right? Um, is there anything that, like, you and the Iniscom Center are personally doing, like, I- any projects, anything that you're doing? That you want to, like, say to the people on cmru.ca?
0: Yes. Well, the Iniscom Center is a cultural resource. It's a uh, uh, an indig- uh, it's a center for Indigenous, for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit students, and we provide the uh, we we provide a, a, an academic. Uh, Uh, an academic guide uh, for new students wanting to come in to continue education. But we're we're a centre for uh, a a cultural resource and many other additional resources for Indigenous students here on Mount Rill campus. And our aim is to uh, provide the the accurate, the appropriate education uh, to Mount Rill University uh, uh, on many levels, uh, in many academic areas and that uh, one, of our, one of our goals is to see our students succeed here while at Mount Royal University and looking at providing uh, those, those, um, uh, th- those resources, those supports where needed while attending uh, here at, at Mount Royal. And um, uh, the Uniscom Center plays a huge role in looking at uh, being a part of the annual events Um, uh, in in terms of like, for an example, our Orange Shirt Day, our our walk with uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women in our communities, uh, advocating on behalf of Indigenous uh, uh, populations um, and being a voice for one of 600 plus nations here in Canada. And uh, so the Aniskum Center is really here for for the university, but primarily for the indigenous students.
1: Uh, Indeed, indeed. Um, But of course, like, it is also a hub of knowledge for those who want to learn more about the average people and indigenous lifestyles, of course, I assume as well? That's correct, yeah. Nice, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, Sadly, though, I'll have to let you go, but um, it has been wonderful speaking to you, Dion, uh, Dion, Mr. Dion Simon. that Once again, he has a mural up by Westgate. Please go take a look at it. This has been the best parts of my show, compiled into a little podcast just for you. If you caught them live, thank you for listening to them again. If you didn't catch them live, that's why this is here. Uh, sadly, though, I'll have to let you go for the final time. Uh, and I'm going to bid you adieu. Have a good day. Have a good life. Big ups. Y'all know it's mean, good. Take it easy. <laughs> Switch up then a video. We on in a minute. Rise life written on a big screen. Free cinema eyes. Why? Yeah, home oh my mind. My, my. This be the cheap color when I wrote this. I hit RBYY. Tarantino. Written and directed. Celebrating. Portavino. Saw the cover on the gram. We bought it. That's how we go. Everywhere that we go. Kill it. Bill it. Tarantino. That's that Tarantino. <laughs>